Hello and welcome to the NHRA Insider Podcast with Brian Loans. A huge engine failure, it appears, for Erica. The smoke funneling out of the back of the car. Stanfield drives by. On this episode, we're talking stability with Clay Milliken and Kyle Koretsky, a top fuel racer and a pro stock racer. And it's Trip Tatum for the first time in his career. 370 flat, 330 miles an hour. Milliken's building hot rods at home, and Koretsky's building a legacy at Maple Grove Raceway. This is going to be fun. Bobby Bodie's 074, and he blows the body off the car going through the finish line stripe. Bobby maintains control of the automobile. This is the NHRA Insider. Number 16 is going to take out number one. He left on a by a day and a half. Both Manson Hines bikes are out, and it is crazy town at Pro Stock Motorcycle. Hey everybody, Brian Loans here with the NHRA Insider Podcast, our second episode of the 2023 season, and uh, one of the first, actually the first, we're going to have a couple of drivers on with us today, Clay Milliken and Kyle Koretsky. Kyle will be our first guest in a couple of minutes. We're going to talk to them about uh, the stability that they will have entering the 2023 season. They both had upheaval in a positive way in 2022. The Koretsky family, of course, buying a racetrack, Maple Grove Raceway, over the course of an extended deal period that took months and months. That was a deal that went uh, really from uh, 2021 into halfway through 22 before they actually maintained or got ownership of the racetrack. For Clay Milliken, it was the entrance of Rick Weir Racing, and the numbers bear out what that addition meant. We're going to talk to Clay about that whole thing coming into 23 with a team that is large, largely relocated to North Carolina, and uh, the fact that they have this uh, stability set up, ready to rock and roll to get the season started. You know, one of the things we've been talking about over the course of uh, this off season so far, and even with Kevin McKenna and Tony Pedragon on our last episode, was uh, news and maybe the lack of news or the scope of news that we have seen this year as opposed to what we saw last year where we had all the new kind of team ownership and the people shifting around and all the different stuff happening. But really, I think what's cool about this offseason so far is that the theme is, in fact, stability. And we love stability in drag racing. Uh, when it is unstable, we all get a little nervous and then we start to sweat a little bit around the collar. But when we see teams like Tony Stewart Racing announcing that all of their crew members are coming back, every single one of them returning to both Leah Pruitt's car and Matt Hagen's car, we plan on having Leah on the show next week to talk a little bit about that. When we hear about the uh, you know stability when it comes to uh, sponsorship agreements that are being extended, there's going to be some announcements coming regarding uh teams coming together and teaming up a little bit. We talk about a bunch of different elements here, and the positivity has been great. There's going to be some new programs announced over the next couple of weeks from NHRA that are sure to get people talking and get people uh, excited, going to be more money on the table, and there's a whole lot of great stuff that is uh, in the pipeline, so to speak, to come over the next few weeks. It has been fun watching driver social media over the last couple of uh, days, really, this week and the last week. Uh, a lot of the photo shoots are going on, the preseason uh, media preparations being made by various teams. Uh, the Toyota drivers were all down in North Carolina recently to do a big uh, gathering down there to shoot a bunch of uh, promotional video and stuff like that. So the wheels are in motion for 2023, and that is the most important thing. Uh, there's going to be, you know, we're going to talk to Kyle about this, but when we talk about the pro stock category, we're talking about uh, uh, more cars than we had last year. 15 full timers are likely going to be 17 to 18 full timers. Uh, in 2023, which is meaning that of those 17 to 18 full-timers, those are all real cars. They're all good cars. So there's going to be some uh, old-school hurt feelings 
guaranteed over the course of a season where big names will miss in qualifying and uh, something that has, in my opinion, been sorely lacking over the course of several years, not just in pro stock, but across the board. Uh, Chase Van Zant coming into the world of pro stock motorcycle. That's going to be a great addition on uh, Jerry Savoie's team, which we talked a little bit about last week. Still waiting on word from Vance and Hines about who will be sitting atop the motorcycle that was previously operated by Angel. And so there's all kinds of great stuff going on. My dogs are super excited about it, as you can hear in the background. And uh, that's the deal. So... Uh, one of the things I want to bring up here in the monologue before we get into the main show, uh, as my two just wild attack dogs go crazy at the door because we're getting some sort of a delivery here, is the fact that, in my opinion, as good as, as difficult as, as seemingly impossible as Top Fuel was in 2022, Top Fuel will be even more difficult in 2023. Clay Milliken, one of the specific reasons for that. When we saw that car improve almost immediately with the addition of fresh parts and budget, that was a big deal. Sean Langdon and Doug Coletta will not have repeat seasons of what they did last year. That is a fact. They will be larger players in the category. I mean, it is possible, like like anything's possible. It's possible my dogs will start stop barking at delivery people at some point in their lives, but that probably won't happen either. Those are two big ones. Then we have what I just mentioned a moment ago with Leah Pruitt's team. Last year, this team was, I mean, they were thrashing to build a car. They were thrashing to have something that was running on the racetrack for Gainesville to start, rather for Pomona to start the year. So that fear is gone. All those crew members are back. We saw those guys win Denver. We saw that car run well. So they're going to come out of the gate more stable. Um, We can talk about Steve Torrance and what that team is planning on doing, which, as we saw at the end of the year, they did get stronger. We saw them win the Indy uh, Pep Boys shootout for the big money. We saw them compete. We saw them have race victories. So those are just a few of the factors. And then we look at some of the other news, and it may not be the the highest line news, but you're going to get TJ Zizzo coming back, and that's a car that's successful. It does not run every single race, of course, but does run a good handful. Dan Mercier has announced the fact that he is going to run an eight-race or more campaign in 2023 with Rob Wendland tuning. That's a car that's going to run 70s and probably dip into the 60s at some point. You're going to see Scott Palmer back out. Um, Now, again, not every single race, but Scott Palmer will be back out more consistently than Then we saw him in 2022 driving his own car because, of course, Alex Laughlin has gone to race for Big Jim Dunn and Jim Dunn Racing. So, you know, the top fuel category, look, it's endless. Justin Ashley's going to come back out as good as he was. Brittany's going to come back out as good as she was. Josh Hart is highly motivated after a season that, uh, by his own admission, was disappointing for him, did not do what they had projected themselves to do in their kind of sophomore full-time year. And so... These are all reasons why Top Fuel, as good as it was, will be even more difficult over the course of a 2023 season. And uh, a Nitro Funny Car, you know, the big wild card there is going to be Alex Laughlin and, and Jim Dunn Racing. Um, you know, John Force, who I was able to have a conversation with a couple of days ago, is is highly motivated to come back out and do what he did. J.R. Todd's car is not going to be is not going to be uh, stuck in the mud, so to speak, where it was kind of early on in the year in 2022, those guys will be coming out slinging. So, again, um, it is it is not the rose-colored glasses and everywhere. I'm not making stuff up. This is all stuff based in fact. And the other fact is that uh, my dogs will be uh, quarantined into the backyard next week when I make this show. Because God forbid the FedEx guy shows up again and we uh, we have the concerto of my two dogs freaking out at him out there. It all adds to the flavor 
of the NHRA Insider. That's the basic element of this whole thing. So as you can see, um, and, and this is uh, going to be an odd announcement for those of you that download this show simply for the audio, but an, an announcement for our NHRA Insider show is that we are expanding into the video realm. So this show will be available via video as well as audio and um, just kind of a cool expansion for what we're going to be doing in the, the 2023 year, kind of moving the moving the whole program ahead, so to speak, like everybody else in the sport seems to be doing. So that's what I know so far. And again, uh, we don't have the big, you know, depth charge news explosions going off maybe that we had last year. But certainly when we talk about stuff that's coming and stuff to be excited for, um, there are a lot of off seasons over the course of the last six or seven years. I would have been very happy to not be hearing news every week because it wasn't necessarily the best news we were hearing back then. But now we're hearing great news, great news and great stability across the uh, course of the sport. So, with all that being said, and now that monologue being complete with the uh, the Vienna Boys Choir of Dogs yelping in the background, what will be coming up next will be Kyle Koretsky. We're going to catch up with him at Maple Grove Raceway. I have no idea what he's doing right now, but I certainly suspect that he is doing something hands-on at the racetrack. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with Kyle Koretsky. All right, so our first guest in this episode of the NHRA Insider, our first uh, kind of real episode of 23, where we get some drivers coming on the show. I got Kyle Koretsky. Kyle, how you doing, man? How you doing, Brian? Good morning. Doing really well. And uh, so it's you and Clay Milliken on today's episode, and, and I want to talk to you two guys because both of you had you know mid late season kind of upheaval in your lives. You guys, the Koretsky family, of course, uh, the Maple Grove Raceway purchase. Milliken had uh, Rick Ware come on, kind of change the direction of his season, but. Uh, I understand as right now we're talking in January, you're outside working on the gas pumps at the racetrack? <laughs> we are. I'm currently working on our Sunoco gas pump here to make sure they're fine-tuned in for 2023 season. We're, we're jam-packed with events and... Uh, yeah, it is 33 degrees out currently <laughs> in Maple Grove. <laughs> so listen, I want to talk about being jam-packed with events because, you know, Maple Grove Raceway has been open about 60 years now, and you guys did something that they have never done at that racetrack, which is tough to do for a place that's been open that long. You ran a no-prep race on New Year's. Tell me how it went and, and what was the idea behind that? Yeah, so we're really trying to open our uh, open our eyes to different kind of racing. Yeah, we love drag racing, but there's so many other things and just – you know, your basic bracket racing stuff like that these no prep guys uh slash street racers we're trying to get them off the street and here to the racetrack so they don't like the full prep because these guys really pride themselves on trying to get down the racetrack with nothing on it it's actually pretty interesting the whole suspension and fine tuning and stuff really comes into play with the no prep so these guys you know that were street racing are now racing on the track and trying to make their program faster and faster with, you know, technology these days with suspension and tuning. So it's really going well. Uh, we have a great group of, of people. Our staff is coming together. They're opening their eyes on some different things. Everyone's being respectful because the street race, no prep grudge guys kind of always had the reputation of a different kind of crowd that wasn't really welcome. Well, look, well, and, and to, I'm not interrupting, but I, I do want to say yeah. this because you're 100% right. And, and what a lot of tracks don't understand is like they think, well, these guys are tough to work with. It's like, no, they're not. You just got to understand how they work, right? Exactly. You have to just understand what they're trying to do and adapt to what they're trying to do. But at the end of the day, they're normal people just like you and me. You give them respect, they'll give respect back. You don't give them respect, they're not going to give you respect back. So, you know, we had limited trash cleanup. They all respected the trash cans, the bathrooms, our rules, 
uh, it, it was awesome. I mean, it was really unbelievable to see it because Maple Grove previous was notorious for not having those kind of events. Yeah. And people love this facility. They come up over the hill and see the track. It's like, wow. Like they, you know, you almost make the, the no prep guys feel like they're, you know, John Force. They're coming to a facility that's, you know, amazing. Yeah. And, and listen, that's been a theme, I think, and that's been a theme over the last, what, five, six years in this sport where people are kind of understanding that, hey, we're not competing against each other. We, we all need to work together to make the sport stronger and better. And, and that goes from, you know, like you said, the racers to the track operator side. So when you give people a place to race and you treat them like they belong and they deserve to be there, they're going to love you for it. And it's great. And, you know, I've seen a bunch of photos from the event. It looks like it was really well attended. And not only that, I, I see guys pulling wheelies. I don't even know how cold it was that day or how warm it was, but I see guys pulling wheelies in January at Maple Grove at a race. It's insane. It, it was it was super cool. It, it was a lot of people said the same thing, like, "Oh my god, these guys are doing wheels!" And I'm like, yeah, these guys are serious. <laughs> they take they take their operations, and just because they're street guys, they take pride in it, just like we do um, as a professional. Down to you know your street race guy that we're trying to get to the track, they take pride in it. And you know we're definitely not here at Maple Grove. Our team and our company is not in business to compete against other tracks. You know we're in a very tough situation where we're at we're in division one you know we have five tracks within two hours from us so we try our best not to schedule stuff i mean there's only so many weekends in the year out here that we can actually race but we try our best i talk to act i still race echo tuesday night gamblers i love it i I, everyone's like oh why are you here supporting act i'm like listen you that's the wrong thing to say way the wrong if you're not supporting these tracks they're not going to be here anymore like th- these things aren't run on good looks. And it's definitely not my good. Looks. <laughs> you know, these are these are not nonprofit organization yeah. racetracks. They're pro- they're for profit. They have to turn a profit to keep the lights on, to pay the taxes, to pay the payroll. So I think the racers are starting to realize that a little bit now because they've seen some tracks close. They understand yeah. what it takes, and I understand what it takes now. I give track owner, operators, managers, employees. 50 times more credit than I ever did because I truly underestimated it. And uh, I'm sorry if I ever said anything to anybody, but it's, it's truly a lot of work, dedication. You have to put your heart and soul into this business. And that's what we're trying to do here at Maple Grove. We're going to, uh, we're going to, we're going to really make it have a good year. 2023 is looking great. And uh, we can't wait for you know, NHRA, no prep, no time whatever wants to come down this racetrack to race we're, we're all ears you know one of the things that's always been interesting to me is um you know like i live in the same region you do i live you know a couple hundred miles north but still the same area and you know like around here golf courses like public golf courses will stay open as long as there's not snow on the fairway so to speak and um, some racetracks can't do that because of their you know operating agreements and, and what they have going on but you know atco is always one of those places that as long as it wasn't snowing those guys were racing and i'm wondering if that's going to be a strategy that you guys employ too like as long as there is the ability to send cars and it's not you know the icebergs flowing across the racetrack is that something you guys plan on doing is, is having more events over the winter or is that like a one-off no, oh no, no. We're tra- we need to race every weekend. I mean, if we yeah. don't have snow and the temperatures are safe to race, we're we're racing here in Maple Grove. Uh, we're working on trying to put together a flyer and event right now in February uh, to to race weather dependent. Um, so yeah, no, we're we're open to race. We're trying to get you know our pavilions up, renovated, so we start doing practice tree events during the winter to keep the you know the fans and the racers involved. 
here uh, a, a lot of cool things we got some maybe some drift track stuff in the works that we're working on behind the scenes that might we might add to our fleet of events um you know we're, we're definitely trying to cover the whole field what everyone's looking for and we're listening to the racers the racers fans talked about things they like to be changed i'm trying to change them as best i can and yeah. quickly as i can so it it's kind of cool it, it's cool to see the feedback positive and negative and and we'll work from that but yeah maple grove will be open more uh 2023 we're going to have a christmas light show holiday village nice uh throughout the winter so um you know, we're really we're trying to open up our uh, our horizons here. So as you know, this was the, the purchase of this track took a very long time to get completed. And there was all kinds of elements to that. But we don't have to go down that road. But I wanted to mention that because, you know, at this time last year, you guys were still in the process, the very long process of actually getting the deal done. And I'm wondering now, as we look forward to the 2023 NHRA season, how much different that kind of becomes in your mindset when you don't necessarily have that hanging over your head coming into the season. It's got to be kind of a welcome a welcome change as much work as you're doing at least there's not that overriding is this deal going to get done or is it not going to get done feeling no i think i think this year will be a little bit less stressful um you know in in four and a half months we did a lot of work to try to get ready for the nationals and other events yeah so you know i think this year we have a little bit more of a game plan a little bit more of an idea uh, we're prepping better for staff, making sure we have proper staff on board. Um, so I think this year will be a little bit smoother. We're hoping it's it's crazy. We you know we are known as House of Chaos, so <laughs> which is know, the best wanna, name ever. I think that's a great. It's such yeah, a great thing. I want to stay that way. You know, we love the chaos of our Kretzky family and our team here. So you know, I feel like we work better under pressure. So if it's too calm, I think something might crazy <laughs> be happening. You know, I, I truly believe that. So there was a rumor floating around, and I'm not necessarily, I don't know if it was necessarily including you, but there was a rumor of a pro stock driver maybe dabbling a little bit in a fuel car in 23. Now, that rumor since gone away, but did you uh, know or hear anything about that? I don't know, man. It's uh, Rumors are crazy, but, <laughs> uh, you know, kid chaos here behind the top fuel team, I think it would be super dangerous. But would I do, would I do it 100%? I would do it, but... You know, Pro Stock is where my heart is, and uh, we're going to stick with Pro Stock. And you never know, 2024, you might see me behind a uh, a funny car or a top fuel car. That's pretty awesome. And and when we look at Pro Stock coming into 23, you know, we know that Elite's adding a car. There's some rumblings that there may be one or two more cars coming. We had 15 cars that, that ran every race last year to make the countdown. It seems like in 23, we're actually going to have more full-time cars. So, you know, this whole idea of, of being competitive and, and really uh, having to qualify every race and not kind of having a provisional spot because there's only 16 cars there is really out the window. Then that does certainly raise the competitive level for guys like you and the whole kind of KB fleet. I agree. I think pro stock is going to be stronger than ever in 2023. And I know I'm looking forward to it personally. And I know KB and Titan uh, joined together here yeah. for 2023. So we're, we're getting some more knowledge on top of the crazy amount of knowledge that KB racing already had. So to, to welcome the new guys in from Titan uh, engines is, is, is crazy. Uh, you know, Greg, Anyone knows Greg Anderson knows he's probably the hardest working guy in drag <laughs> racing. Um, and to see him get excited about it is yeah. like, oh boy, stand back! Like, you know, he just won. He just won the Mega Million. Like he he's pumped <laughs> up. He's got new ideas. They got some fresh ideas coming in. 
Um, and I, I, the whole goal, I mean, my whole goal, I can't speak for anybody else's is to kick all their asses every weekend. And, and look, I, I think that's what's going to make the class so exciting this year is that, you know, people are showing up with that mentality. We know how tight competitive wise uh, power is between the, the major players and the major teams. It's all kind of right there. Uh, very, very tight together. When you look back over your 22 season, obviously there's, I think probably in your own mind, some unfinished business there and, and some, some trips to the winter circle, you feel like you probably should have taken. So is that something you can kind of at this point over this off season, not really dwell on anymore, but understand that there's that one extra step to take on some of these weekends to get the job done. Yeah. I, I think looking, looking in the past is in the past. Yeah. I can't dwell on it. It's over. I can't change it, but looking forward. Yeah. We're, we're going to get more aggressive and, you know, I'm somewhat of a pretty much a humble person. And, but I think now that they're so competitive, we're so tight. I mean, even between our, my own teammates, yeah, you, you know, there's, there's no more, you know, you know, we kind of laugh around and we're teammates, but we, we all want to kick each other's butt, you know? Yeah. So I think this year, I think I'll be a little bit more aggressive. Uh, we've been working on some stuff. I've been practicing more, uh, trying to get a little bit better shape. I think that all play into, into consideration. The racetrack will be a, a little bit smoother, so I won't worry as much. I mean, I'll still worry about business and stuff while yeah. I'm racing. My one of my biggest disadvantages as a driver, as a you know, as a rental driver, I, I call myself. You know, we still have a normal business, a normal life at home. This drag racing is just you know our passion, our hobby, and the love for it is why we do it. But it's not how I make my living. Um, so we we. You know, have to put that stuff behind us. We have some great people in place. My brother, my mom, and sister, my dad are super involved with uh, all of our companies. So they, they take a lot of pressure off me. So now I think this year I can go to the racetrack and really focus, focus on what I have to do there as a driver and hit that tree and hit the shift points and then the rest of the team has everything else. I'm not worried about that. Yeah, and that's cool. I think that's one of the that's one of the themes I think we're going to see over really a bunch of the pro classes to start off the season where, you know, whether it was new teams that kind of got their footing at halfway through in different categories or drivers that had stuff pop up midway through a season kind of get to come in really with a fresh slate like everybody else does. And, and this whole idea of starting at, at Gainesville, I, I really – I know a lot of people are kind of freaked out by it, but I kind of love it. I mean, at, that place is going to be packed. It's going to be jamming. We have effectively every class in each has to offer on their property that weekend so it's going to be a great way to start the year for you when we look at you know we look at different elements of of a season we look at different elements of of the kind of competitive nature of of this class what are the things that you actually look most forward to and is it is it the challenge of driving the car is it you know different people see this sport in different ways what are the things that you most look forward to when we kind of look ahead to a new season uh, I definitely think, I mean, driving the car, trying to make yourself as a driver more consistent um, yeah. is kind of what I'm trying to do this year. So give my team a little bit better, uh, you know, consistency. So yeah. if I'm more consistent, they can kind of tune the car a little better. If I'm if I'm all over the place, which I'm not too far all over the <laughs> no. place, but once once in a while I get my head, my head up my ass and, and I get a little crazy there. But, um, you know, yeah, I mean, look, looking forward to the year, I, I – I really want to uh, – I just want to be competitive. I want to go out there, do my normal thing, qualify every race, try to go around. But we, we need to win races. Um, that's what I need to do this year. I, I came short a few times, but, you know, like I said, that's in the past. But I, I want to – I want to beat Erica Enders. I, yeah, every there you time go. I, every time I line up against her, I want to beat her. 
she she's whooped my butt so many times and uh you know they're a great team and she's a champ and yeah, you know, same thing with Greg. I mean, relying on I think Greg, Erica, and Dallas, like my three, like my <laughs> three, uh, my, yeah, kryptonite there. Like I wouldn't say enemies, but my three people. I just sometimes I just can't get get my head wrapped around and get pumped up. And uh, but this year we're gonna get pumped up and we're gonna really uh, we're gonna really show them what uh, Kate Chaos is all about. No, I think it's great. I'm uh, I'm excited to see what Pro Stock has in store, and really for the uh, for the entire season. There's going to be uh, some new programs announced over the next couple of weeks that um, are going to spice up qualifying to a degree. I think people are going to love it. There's going to be some uh, some extra money on the table on uh, on Saturdays that uh, that hasn't existed in a long time. So you know, there's all these kind of new elements coming in, and you know, and I guess the same question I'll ask you about the racetrack. You talk about all the different programs, the different things you're doing. What are some of the things that you most look forward to as far as new things that you bring into Maple? Grove in 23. I mean, you talked about the light show Christmas Village, which a lot of tracks do, and, and everybody says it's a huge hit and people love it. Outside of stuff like that, what are you most looking forward to to bring to that Maple Grove uh, audience that maybe they haven't seen lately or in a long time? Uh, I, I, I Honestly, I think we could talk for hours of the stuff I'm excited about. I'm, I'm super pumped for this year, but I think what brings a joy to to me, for me personally, is just to see the fans excited when they come here, yeah. knowing that they're going to get a great experience, a great show, and good food. We're really pressing on our food, our concession stands, to make to make them good and to give the people, a spectator, racer, crew member, a great value. So I, that's kind of what I'm I'm excited for. And then another thing I'm excited for, I'm not a big drinker. But we're having our first annual beer craft food truck festival. Oh, cool! Uh, this year, this year, um, in June. So it, it's right now we'll have like twenty-five plus breweries. Holy cow! Uh, any, anywhere from five minutes down the street to eight hours away that are that are going to come to our event. You know, we're projecting ten, fifteen thousand people here on a Saturday. So it's really cool. So if you're into the into the you know craft beer um, atmosphere, we're gonna have a band, live band stuff like that. So I think we're gonna open our horizons up to you know our eyes up to different things, not just drag racing. But we need to get drag racing going the same time as like the beer craft festival because the beer craft festival that crowd might never never been to a drag race i was just gonna say the same thing this idea of introducing thousands of people via whether it's the light festival whether it's craft beer and food trucks like just the idea of getting thousands of people who have never been inside the gate of maple grove raceway there that is that is brilliant because that is exactly i know where you're going with this and that is exactly how you get them to come back to actually see some race cars exactly so it it all it all stems down to one thing is get them to here watch us drag race but we, we want to see the fans here, and, and that's what it's all about. And um, that's what Maple Grove is going to do. I mean, Maple Grove has been a great place, uh, uh, probably one of the best tracks on the East Coast for a long time. They've been here a long time, longer than I've been alive, 60-plus years. And we're looking just to continue to grow and build it and and make it better than it's already has been great, but we want to make it better. So when our racers come here and spectators, fans, crew, uh, even you guys, down to you know the, the safety people, the, the announcers, everybody, they have a good time, and that's what it's about. You know, that's what we work for. We work to make sure everyone has a good time, and if everyone has a good time, we have a good time, and we'll keep it rolling. 
Well, it was great, man. I appreciate you uh, taking the time today. Appreciate Unfortunately, I couldn't attend, but I appreciate the invite to your uh, season-ending uh, championship uh, award ceremony. A lot of tracks do that over the wintertime, and it's certainly a great way to set the tone for the upcoming year. And uh, I know we already penciled in for 23, so you can count me in on that one, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be a good time, man. I, oh, yeah. On, on behalf yeah, we booked of, you for 23, so I'm any in. commitment you have, cancel <laughs> it now, Tom, your book. But if you talk to Mr. Clay Millick, that's my Uncle Clay, uh, he's, he's been he's – been, my top guy for a long time my dad's loved clay like family uh top fuel racing and i think maybe one of the ways i'd probably maybe race top fuel if it was with clay teaching me how to do it so hopefully one day if i ever do that he'll he'll be willing to do that and uh you know we'll, we'll see what the future holds well that's great man kyle thanks so much for the hard work you and the family are putting in at this uh, historic and beautiful racetrack can't wait to see you at gainesville watch your jam gears in a pro stock car one last question when are you guys going to get out to do any testing you're going to do just before the race or are you going out anytime uh, in february oh yeah no yeah. we're gonna we're gonna do some we're gonna do some testing and uh we already did some secret testing here out of state on some warm weather nice. and uh everything everything's looking promising well, Kyle Koreski, thanks so much again. Thanks for taking the time and uh, put on a pair of gloves and get the gas pump fixed. <laughs> you got it, Brian. <laughs> thanks a lot. He's Kyle Koreski. When we come back, it will be Clay Milliken, our second guest on the NHRA Insider Podcast. All right, we are back. And now my second guest in this episode of the NHRA Insider is a guy who had his own kind of positive upheaval over the course of the 2022 season and comes in with, just like Kyle Koreski, more stability, if you will, in 2023. Clay Milliken, how you doing, man? Man, I tell you what, I'm wonderful. I can't wait for a few more days to click by so we can go out there and stomp on that loud pedal. I'll tell you what, we're getting there. Uh, It feels farther away than it actually is, and the minutes are ticking by. I know all of us are kind of looking at our calendars and clocks, but, you know, one of the the theme of this show to me is uh, has been in this idea of stability and for you and for Kyle, they bought the racetrack. That was a great thing. But and then Rick Ware comes in for you guys, and it was a great thing. But what does it mean now to start this season fresh? In that the teams in Charlotte, people have relocated. Everything's kind of in the the ducks are in a row, and it's not uh, hitting the treadmill at three hundred miles an hour. <laughs> you know that's funny you say that, but at the same time, I kind of have that feeling like, oh my goodness, we got so much to do. You know, we've <laughs> we've got so many parts ordered, we've got new trailers. You know, so there's. There is a whole lot going on, but the stability is definitely there. I mean, I've literally been on the phone texting back and forth with Rick Ware this morning, you know, just trying to make sure that uh, anything and everything we need is on the way. You know, it's very exciting, and, and he is pumped up about it, and I'm pumped up about it. I've got a brand-new car I get to go play with. I mean, I can't wait. It's been a few years since we had a brand-new car, and we'll have a backup car, you know. So, there's yes, there's a lot of stuff going on. And yes, I want it to hurry up and get here, but at the same time, I'm, I'm like, wow, we got a lot of stuff to get done and not that many days left. To me, it's incredible. And, and you and I actually just the other day were, were texting back and forth about various numbers and stuff like that. And as I was getting ready for this show, you can draw a literal performance line in your season. And, and that performance line um, it gets exponentially better when we go to Indy. We look at what qualifying positions were before Indy and then what they went to do in the countdown. And to me, it's it's kind of an amazing thing to look at. And, and it speaks to the idea, of course, that, you know, fresh parts and, and new pieces are, are obviously a very big lifeblood of this sport. But, I mean, it was a different race car from the last uh, six, seven races of the season than it was for the first dozen or so. I mean, it really, really was. And, you know, we've talked about this as well before. You know, a lot of people are like, what did you do? What did you change? You know, tune up different. Really and truly, none of it was different. But fresh parts run faster. I mean, that's yeah. kind of been the... Uh, 
you know, the, the method that uh, Steve Torrance has crushed everybody Absolutely. up until this past year, you know, is they are the source for the used parts because their used parts are so nice because they have brand new all the time. It, it, it makes a difference. Round, round cylinders makes your engine run better. <laughs> it's a fact, and you guys certainly proved it. And, you know, to me, I think it's one of those things that um, you you operate in a window, you get used to operating in that window, and then for, for your team, that window got opened up, and, and you really got to get a good sense of, of kind of what the future looks like. And when we look at 2023, as, as difficult as Top Fuel was in 22, and, and we talk about this pretty much every year, but to me, it, it carries more significance because you're one of the teams i put you in a group with uh you know sean and doug and leah um of teams that were getting their stride to a certain point as the season came to a close and will come into this season stronger so i think it is going to be even more difficult in top fuel in in 23 and you're one of the guys that's going to make it harder i certainly hope we do you know there's so many times you can look back we should have done this or this or this and none of that really really matters i mean you know we're purely looking to get the testing, get the car, you know, where we want it and, and know that we have the ability to lean on it like we were able to do towards the end of the year. You know, it just makes such a difference. If, if you know, you can go out there and and push the envelope a little bit. And if you do have a hiccup, you know, you got parts in the trailer to keep moving forward. And that's, that's how the big teams have done it for years and years. I mean, you certainly don't go out there with no intentions of hurting parts, but if you know that if something happens, you can keep going, then it changes your mindset for everything. And top fuel this upcoming season is going to be ridiculous. And we all thought it was last year. The You can look at the whole season, and not just for you, it goes for everybody, but you look at people who qualified. If you qualified, say, 10th or worse, uh, it was not – the percentage of people that qualified 10th or worse and got out of the first round over the course of the year was is, is very, very, very small. And you battled your way to some of the tightest first-round losses that the whole sport saw over the course of the year, and, and you were often having to come out of that 10, 11, 12 spot. And then we see in the countdown the car becomes a top-half qualifier, and you know it wasn't necessarily easy then, but at the same time it has to just be a game-changer strategically and everything else. You're not w- running into Sunday with a Hail Mary put in the motor that you hold is going to make it yes but at the same time there were times we qualified good and you end up with a uh a justin ashley i'm thinking <laughs> right. the first round in vegas yeah you know it's like dang we qualify pretty good and, and yeah. who do we get we get the points leader you know it has it, it does make a difference where you qualify obviously you know top half is is everybody's goal and but man oh man there's almost no easy rounds anymore you know we me and you've talked about it many many times you know the streak we went on of five straight races that added up to you know barely over a tenth yeah i mean it's it's incredibly tough and everything matters and you know that's that's kind of what we were you know discussing through our text this past week is just the importance of everything and and that's it it is a top to bottom effort and you know we all do different things in the off season to keep ourselves occupied you have i think of anybody has had the coolest off season you have applied yourself uh in your powers of uh, mechanical persuasion in in a way that nobody else has in this sport you got your baby d trucks out there you got videos of you rowing gears in that thing the dentley truck is out there so for people who have not been following clay milliken and your exploits in your own home shop Explain first the baby D truck and how cool that is, and then take us through Dentley because Dentley is <laughs> Dentley is is freaking awesome. Oh, baby D's funny. That made me start laughing. So Donna found this little Dodge Dakota. It's an O2 Dodge Dakota. She found it on Facebook Marketplace. 
for 700 bucks. And just real quickly on Donna takes care of everything there is to do around our house. And I do mean cutting grass, trimming bushes, putting mulch out, you name it. So she wanted this little truck to have a yard truck. V6 that was blown up. She's like, put a motor in it and I got a yard truck. Well, the, the racer come out in me and you can't just do that. It turned into a five, seven Hemi with a six speed and a Moser engineering nine inch rear end. And it will do lovely, wonderful burnouts at any point you want it to. <laughs> yeah. You can get to the town dump in this thing and low ET. You can set low ET in the Drummond's town dump. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's so much fun, you know, and, and that turned into, you know, all of this kind of revolved around my YouTube channel, yep. which has been so much fun and it keeps growing. And, and of course the next project is Dentley, which is, you know, certainly very meaningful to, to me, my family. And it turned into, you know, a, a huge meaningful project to Jeff and Jeffrey Lutz, you know, of street outlaws. Yep. So that was Dalton's truck and uh 200 and I don't know, 20,000 mile four door Dodge, just a truck is what Dalton took to the motocross tracks. And it literally had a story of all of its own. And it became named Dentley because when you give a teenager a truck, you know, pretty much it's going to have a dent anywhere you can imagine. And so his buddies named it Dentley. So that's where that came from. But it is now after coming up on five years, January 18th, to be exact, it has transformed from a a truck with a, a bazillion miles and beat to death to a twin turbo 426 Hemi with a full roll cage, air conditioned and power steering, uh, big old turbo 400 gear vendor, weld wheels. Think drag and drive event. That's what this thing was built for. And it is long and low and flat black. And man, I love it. I mean, it's just turned into a really cool truck, kind of turned into its own little story. It has. And, and and to me, it's the definition of the modern hot rod, right? That's what, when we talk about, you know, looking back and, uh, and back in the day, right? A guy would have some, uh, a, a big block, let's call it an e-body, a challenger or something with a big block in it and some humongous camshaft and a tunnel ram. And maybe the thing went low 12s, high 11s, and he was the baddest guy in town. And now we look at what hot rodding is in, in 2022 or 23 now, and we see vehicles with air conditioning that make a couple thousand horsepower that could be street driven. It is unbelievable. It really, really is. And obviously, you know, I'm, I'm hoping at some point, you know, you and I both are, are best of friends with David Freiberger and he created the whole drag and drive thing that yep. is now just on fire. Well, you know, my, my dream with this thing was to do drag week with Jeff Lutz, who kind of, you know, certainly became famous from drag week. Yes. And, you know, with our crazy schedules, somehow, some way you're able to pull most of it off. But to be a competitor in the event, you've got to be there at the start and the finish. Well, it always falls on race weekends for us. And so, you know, that makes it difficult. But someday, some way that truck will do drag week. And, you know, there's some other events we're looking at. We got our fingers crossed. Maybe we can pull it off. But you're right. The, the modern day hot rod is now comfortable and way faster than they used to be. <laughs> That's an absolute fact. And yeah, hey, listen, drag week, uh, the geography this year is pretty decent in terms of uh, in terms of where it is. It's, uh, you know, even if you can only sneak off for a couple of days like Crampton and, and Johnny Lindbergh did a couple of years ago, it is, as you well know, it is well worth the adventure. And you've uh, you've been on the grounds for for many of those days when we were at Memphis and other 
other racetracks uh, across the country. So it's been, it's to me, it's been a great project to watch come together. And and the fact that it's a long term project, I think, is cool too because I think a lot of people get discouraged when they want to do something and they and it takes them longer than they thought it initially would. And the fact that you have, uh, for many great reasons, stuck with this thing to the end is is the coolest part of all of it to me because let's face it, whether it's a drag racing career, whether it's, uh, you know, trying to get the job you want in the sport or just simply building the car you want, it never actually follows the path to the timeline you really expect, right? Oh, and then it's never done. And to quote <laughs> yeah. our, our boy Fryberger, don't get it, don't get it right. Just get it running. <laughs> that's you know, it. That, that's, that's kind of where it's at. And, you know, we, we debuted the truck at SEMA Apex and, it was running, but it wasn't right. <laughs> you know, it was uh, SEMA ready. Well, that's, that's exactly that's, it. Yeah, SEMA, yeah. SEMA, SEMA done is is a whole different ball of wax than regular done. <laughs> and that's what's taking up my time during the off season. You know, and I've been posting nonstop on YouTube. You know, just trying to get the thing actually finished and get it headed to the dyno very soon. And I have driven the wheels off the thing right here around Drummond's. It has not made a highway drive yet, but I mean, you certainly can can go to the old YouTube and, and, and see what's happening with it because it is an ongoing project. And truthfully, hot rods never are done anyway. So, you know, it's always going to be something to do. So let's talk a little bit about what your off season looks like uh, this year in terms of coming into the year versus what it's looked like in years past. And I ask that because we saw it really through the back half of last year that uh, you were doing a lot of activation, you know, with Rick Ware and the various uh, motorsports teams that he owns, the guys involved in, in virtually every form of racing that exists. So is that going to carry over to 23? Do you have commitments? Are you going to do the preseason photo shoot and all that good stuff? Oh, yeah, that's all coming up. And it's really funny. You know, uh, I have been like jonesing, I guess you would say, to <laughs> go to the race shop. You know, it's yeah. like, man, I'm, I'm used to being like so hands on with everything. And, you know, it's, it's just like, hey, we got it handled. Why do you need to be here while we're moving boxes out of one race trailer into another <laughs> race trailer? Do you really need to do that? So, you know, I'll be headed there very, very soon to, to get the new car finished up. And yes, you know, we got all kinds of stuff going there. You will start to see more and more cross promotions, whether it be, you know, with the NASCAR team, the Supercross team, the IndyCar team, the IMSA team, all those things will start coming up, which for me just makes great content. You know, it's going to be really fun doing that, promoting NHRA drag racing and promoting everything Rick Ware got going, which is a lot. It really is. And I mentioned it briefly, but I think I'd like to have you get people up to speed regarding the fact that, you know, the team has obviously moved to Rick Weir's uh, home base down there in North Carolina. And with it has gone, my understanding is, as we've talked about, the majority of the people that were working on the car. So how are they liking it? Uh, obviously, this is a uh, much more robust surrounding that they are in now to work on this thing than they've had in the past. No, I mean, you know, they're all young people. And they were definitely ready to move. You know, they're they're starting to kind of find their way around. You know, the Mooresville area is where it's at, not that far from uh, Greg Anderson and yep. those guys. You know, they, there's so much there. As young people, they're loving it. Downtown Charlotte's way more fun than downtown McLeansboro, <laughs> Illinois. <laughs> you know, so, you know, they're starting to find themselves apartments and, get, and you know, get moved out of the hotel into their own apartment and, you know, the, the team stuck together and we've actually added, you know, a couple of people uh, we're really, really excited about. And and this is kind of off subject, but Jimmo is doing some spring training, so to speak, right now as he's down in Australia helping tune 
Bruce Reed's top fuel car. Yeah, how cool is that? I, I think the the Reed family and the and the, uh, the Reed family and and the Oberhoffers have had a, a long standing connection. I was able to meet uh, some of those guys maybe a couple years ago at Pomona. They came over, and you know the Reed family is drag racing royalty in Australia. A lot of people watching or listening to this may not know that, but when you talk about you know top fuel racing in Australia, you talk about guys like Jim Reed back in the day. I mean, this is a guy who carries a lot of weight now, almost uh, almost if you will on, in their drag racing culture, a Garlitz level style guy. Oh, 100%. I mean, he's 17-time world champion. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it's, it's pretty crazy. It's a very family-oriented, family-run deal. And I, they FaceTimed me just the other day. They were in the shop, the whole family and Jim O, and they, it was uh, tea time. So, they, you know, they, they stopped <laughs> for, for tea time, and they were eating crumpets and Tim Tams and, and the old dreaded Vegemite, you know, so they were – they were calling FaceTiming to check in with me and, and give me uh, grief because I had a hoodie on with my hood pulled up and, <laughs> and they were, you know, there is 90 some degrees down there, you know? So, I mean, this kind of destroys my picture of Aussie drag racers. Cause I was figuring they'd be crushing beer cans on their head and, and, you know, setting stuff on fire. They're, they're, they're well, drinking tea. This, Come on. This was, well, this was in the morning, you know, later that <laughs> afternoon, they didn't know how to operate FaceTime. <laughs> That makes sense now. That makes total sense now. <laughs> One last question, Clay, before I let you go, and that is when we look at uh, the direction this team is headed, the, the the major changes that have been made that are, that are going to be in full force in 23, let's talk a little bit about goals. I mean, let's talk a little bit about the goals for, for Rick, Rick Ware Racing's top fuel operation, your own personal goals. What are you expecting of yourself and this team in 23? Well, I mean, goals are, are for me – and kind of would be just the same all the way across the board, but win, win races. Yeah. And let's start with winning one, yep. you know, it's, it's, it's time to start adding to the Wally collection. We got three here and, you know, I've missed a lot of opportunities over my career with runner up itis yeah. and I want to change that, you know, and then if you're winning races, that means you're going rounds and the points will take care of themselves from there. You know, the, obviously the ultimate goal for everybody this time of year is that championship. Yeah. But for me, I focus more one race at a time, one run at a time. And if you do your job there, you, the points will take care of themselves. And very much like us trying to stay in that top 10 last year, you know, yeah. we talked about that. What happened from NDO? Yeah. You know, it, it was just a matter of turning wind lights on at the right time and the points will take care of themselves. They will. They will. And sometimes uh, other people take care of the points for you as you were one of the major spoilers of the year for that first round victory in Las Vegas at the second to last race really set the tone for an incredible finals in Pomona. Well, Clay, thanks a lot as always for taking the time. And uh, I certainly appreciate everything you're doing uh, on the home hot rodding side. And I'm really excited to see this team come out of the gate uh, really kind of gunslinging this year. It's going to be another of these great elements in top fuel drag racing for 23 that promises to be the uh, the best show on earth. Man, thank you so much for having me on the NHRA Insider podcast, and I am still loving the Dorkomotive podcast as well. Well, thank you very much. There'll be more uh, more automotive and uh, other style of history coming along the way for that uh, side project as well. But, Clay, once again, thank you, and everybody that's watching, stick around. I'll be back to close up the show with some final thoughts and a fun little piece of drag racing history. All right, we are back to close out the show after those great conversations with both Kyle Koretsky and Clay Milligan. I promised you a cool piece of drag racing history. So I'm going to show you a photo here that was given to me by Scott Parks, who is the grandson of NHRA founder Wally Parks. 
And this is uh, this is a really neat piece of uh, memorabilia for my collection. First off, you can see where it says over here. For those of you watching on video, for those of you listening, this is uh, not making a whole lot of sense until I describe it. But you can see this stamp. It says property of Wally and Barbara Parks. And then we can lift this up and it says Barbara Eden HR Picks. What could that possibly mean? Well, what this is is a shot of Barbara Eden at the 1956 NHRA Nationals. And Barbara Eden, who was holding the Motor Life uh, best of laps time trophy and you can see the posters in the background the national championship drag races poster from 1956 now if you're wondering why this has any significance barbara eden would go on to fame as an actress playing the genie in the series i dream of genie and she was the trophy girl at the 1956 nhra nationals this photo uh, is a big glossy photo that was taken and apparently saved by barbara and wally parks i certainly have to thank scott parks for gifting me this photo which i will soon find a frame for and put it on my office wall somewhere around here just another neat tidbit of nhra drag racing history you never know who's connected to this sport as always thank you very much for watching and or listening to the nhra nitro time nitro time machine nhra insider podcast i was just making some time machine videos with rob hedrick we're going to be back next week, and again, this uh, new video format will continue as we'll have both the audio download available and the video format if you'd like to watch. So there you have it. We'll be back next week with another episode of the NHRA Insider. I have more great drivers lined up to talk about what they have coming up for 2023 and beyond. Some big news getting set to break around the world of NHRA Camping World and Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series action as of late as well. It is mid-January, and it's only going to get more exciting from here. As always, thanks for listening. I'm Brian Loans, and I'll see you soon back here at the, the NHRA Insider Podcast on the Nitro Time Machine or maybe a Nitro Time Machine live online. And, of course, when we get to Gainesville on NHRA on Fox at the Gator Nationals.